1: It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to I'm to let you finish listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash ima let you. That's better imaletu dot I'ma let you, I-M-M-A-L-E-T-U. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast.
2: That's our show. Thank you so much. Thank we'll you see so you. much,
1: really. We'll Thank you. See. Thank you for playing the at-home we'll version. We'll
2: see you next week. Oh, it's Courtney. It's oh, Courtney right. Amy. It's not about let you finish. It's show number 118 on the Pantheon Podcast Network. It is us. We're actually taping this on Election Day. We've both already <laughs> voted, so we have televisions <laughs> off. And it's like I just I will tune I in I either I late I when tonight it's done. or when tomorrow. It's done. Yeah,
1: when but it's done. But I'm
2: not doing my usual where I used to sit and watch I used to love oh the
1: hour by hour I can't take I it, love it's too it. I love it too nerve wracking
2: but now lately just how ugly everything has gotten it can't just it. it makes my nerves go really really bad so No, I can't, I can't take that. it can't so, so
1: hopefully we'll be here next week to do another mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. in case it goes the wrong way and we're all arrested
2: I mean, yeah. Get
1: your abortions done quickly.
2: I mean, (laughs) or Elon Musk will come and ban you from his new free speech platform playground. Uh. (laughs) It's like.
1: Yeah. Are we really
2: do you ever think sometimes? No, this is actually, I never think. Wait, stop right have, there. Oh, okay.
1: Stop right there. Do <laughs> but, I ever think sometimes? I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> I feel like we have on those um those goggles that people wear when they're like you know in the metaverse and stuff and this is actually some oh, the alternate virtual, you, the virtual yeah we're in then? some yeah. situation yeah. we're and in an actually, alternate reality we're gonna take it off and be like oh my god how crazy was that ride? Yeah. that nuts?"
1: yeah yeah has anyone checked his immigration status by the way i know he's uh, not from uh, here yeah all right uh, let's start with something a little less cataclysmic (laughs) Uh, a little less cataclysmic the rock and roll hall of fame induction ceremony was held the uh, saturday night in los angeles and the show Mm -hmm. itself is going to air on the h the b and the o Mm -hmm. in on the i'm sure a very
2: chopped down version evidently the one that aired this weekend (laughs) the one that was live was a five and a half hour five show. Five and a half hour, five and a half hour. And because hours. everything gets ruined and sold to a corporation, we will get a chopped down hour and 44 minute version. No, 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 it's usually the- like
1: a three and a half hours, but I got to say the one time I did go, um, mm-hmm. I I couldn't make it to the very end. I was just like, holy so crap. But you didn't make it to I- the jam I- session? I don't need to hear Def Jam, A Def Leppard Jam. Are they a jam band? No, but I didn't. I heard Roxy music, and then it was like, and I heard part of Def Leppard, and then I was like, I live 10 minutes away, and I'm tired. I'm going home. But anyway, every people performed, and everybody's like losing their shit because Rob Halford sang with Dolly Parton. It's like, okay, he's a gay, white man. That makes perfect sense to me that he would sing with Dolly Parton.
2: I mean... Didn't everybody sing with Dolly Parton? Everybody's Wasn't she the big jam at the end?
1: Yeah, and I am officially calling for Brandy Carlisle. She just needs to sit down for a minute. Miss, I'm sick thing, of her she's ass. gonna
2: start. No. She's about to go to a graveyard and start digging up some of the people who, who are dead, and just resurrecting everybody. Because a, she's she is, the
1: go-to. She's the go-to now for every. Um, I guess the big <laughs> gossip was that Alanis Morissette was supposed to perform and bailed at. the Oh last yeah, minute. She ba-
2: now why does she bail? Come on, I know you know why does she bail. She she I'm made going- some long. I saw some long situation that she tried to put out something about women and being respected and blah, 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 Yeah, whatever. I'm like, oh, so you didn't know the song? <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm sorry. You have, you have, you have one album. Bye-bye. <laughs> um, and word has it. I haven't talked to my people who are actually there, but word has it. Uh, no, from what I read, Eminem's speech was just fantastic. And he literally thanked... Every rapper in the world, which is perfect, because today we have a fabulous guest, Jonathan Abrams, who has wrote the come up, an oral history of the rise of hip hop, and I think pretty much everyone Eminem thanked is in this book, and then some. So he literally thanked like everybody who's ever put a microphone, in, and which is good because he, I'll that's say this the moment, about Eminem. Right?
2: When you, I think that is the moment when you're really achieving what is you know considered by some. Yeah. A, one of the highest honors you can get in your profession. Mm-hmm. I think it's important if if you have influences and people who helped you. It, it's the perfect moment to. Well, actually especially give him. Us I that. mean,
1: I will yes. say this about Eminem. I didn't vote for him. We've talked about why I don't think he should have gone in first ballot. But he's always been very cognizant and very aware of who he is and why he is and the privilege he carries in the industry. And he's never tried to pretend that there isn't other things going on behind his success. But yeah, it's supposed to be, it, it should be, um, it should be good. And uh, shockingly, Dave Grohl was there. He never does award shows. That's really interesting. Uh, that was sarcasm.
2: Janet was there. She looked amazing. She was serving very, a uh, throwback to control, what have you done for me lately, cover art, Janet, which Oh was yeah, amazing. the hair, the big hair. Love it. Uh,
1: all right. Well, one person- And, really your, not... rhythmics.
2: and oh, yeah, your Rhythmics. Oh, yeah, your Rhythmics. Pat and Neil. Thank you. Pat and Neil. A- oh, no.
1: They looked amazing.
2: I mean, uh, and then they performed. I, you know, I watched online. I couldn't help it. I was like, I need All to right. watch your no, Rhythmics of course you online. did. Of course and you did. And I was like, there's just nobody better than Annie. I mean, as soon as she came out, everybody just gave her a standing ovation. She's one of those people. I've met her. She's so nice, such a nice person. And she just has an energy around her where you're like, wow, you're kinda like Annie Lennox. That's really amazing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and nobody cares about Alan Groupman. Um, all right. <laughs> that will go down. I'm sorry, in the history. I'm mean, like, no, that is just ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous.
2: Evidently, I mean, some people find it uh K controversial. <laughs> yeah. Or Sylvia Robinson, right? Like, we're.
1: But at least she did something musical. I mean, she was in Mickey and Sylvia, Mm -hmm. and she actually did something. Alan Grubman just wrote contracts. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, really? I mean. He wrote very good contracts. But wasn't but- he, like,
2: everybody's lawyer for a really Yeah, but, long- that, I mean, so are they, I mean, why
1: don't they bring up the guy who defended, like, all the mob guys or something? <laughs> Which is similar to being a musician's lawyer. I was is about, about to say, that's
2: actually the same as being in the music industry. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? All
1: those guys when rappers get arrested and they have that mm-hmm. same guy who is mm-hmm. their lawyer. Who, right. get,
2: who can get you out at 2 o'clock, 3 two a- o'clock, 5 a.m. Yeah. yeah,
1: and they put, put the glasses on the rapper so that mm-hmm. they don't look like a criminal. Okay, speaking of rappers that we cannot stand, we wish would go away, and we Ugh. hate them so much, and they're bad. horrible, horrible, horrible. <sighs> all right. My issues with Drake have just always been I think he's mediocre as an artist. I mean, the beats are great. He does some interesting stuff. We like that last House Music record, which came and went in, like, what, a minute and a half? It was, like, mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. But this week, Drake, in his never-ending need to create beef where there is none, or to quote someone on the interwebs, he doesn't create beef. He creates tilapia. Um, <laughs> went after Megan Thee Stallion yet again on the song... Circo loco and the line that is drawing tremendous amount of, um, condemnation is this bitch lie about getting shot, but she's still a stallion. She don't get the joke, but she's still smiling and she just clapped back. So it's good to know that this woman has been shot police reports Everyone believes her except for all the men in hip-hop. And they're all <laughs> lining up to defend what is the guy's name? Trey Lorenz Tory Tor- Tor- Lanez. Tor- What's Lanes. his name? Who is he?
2: I believe he's a Canadian hip-hop artist.
1: Oh, so that why Drake, it must be the yes, international absolutely. cabal of but, Canadian right, rappers.
2: Yes. He's, a, he's a Canadian, a Canadian hip-hop artist. And you know, kids like him. You know, he's he's put out a bunch of albums, a bunch of mixtapes, blah, blah, blah. My issue is why is he always got it's just it's always like an attack on some woman. It's just weird. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe because Mm. he
1: doesn't like women. Not I'm I'm not talking about he's I'm not saying he's mm, gay. Maybe mm. because like a lot of men, he loves women, but he doesn't like them very much. You know Mm. what I mean? Like you can Mm. love somebody and he clearly has no respect for this I mean, whatever you want to say about Megan Island, you don't have to be a fan. The woman was shot. She was shot, and these guys are caping for somebody who shot an unarmed woman for no reason. And thank you, thank you, Drake, for being the class well, act that the, you the are. The
2: thing that upsets me about this story, and I think I've said it to you before, is when people are like, "She's a liar, That's not what she originally said." Da, da 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 da. And I always think about how many times black women always will lie to protect black men and not have them get arrested on the spot and go to jail. Right. And the fact that everybody suddenly is trying to act like, like, no, that wouldn't be a thing. It's like, yeah, that's absolutely a thing. Because one, she wasn't the one who called the police. She's like, there's a gun. I don't, I don't want to say I've been shot. You know what I mean? All right. of those things that I know people understand. Right. But whenever there's a narrative, everyone just loves to jump on the narrative and let's just oh yeah, you're a liar. She's this. It's like I, I get really upset that when we watch Black women reach certain levels, that we seem to cannibalize our own. It's like why are we attacking Megan Thee Stallion? Everybody loved her when she came out. Now she's a liar, and we don't like her because Drake said so. It's like child, please. It's like isn't what like go back to DeGrassi Junior High. The second version. It's, just so, just, it's just so
1: hateful. It's just va- It's mean. It's hateful. And the thing is, for no reason, this woman is literally sitting there, you know, doing nothing, and you're running out of your way to create, you know, to get clout. Ugh, I just hate him. All right. Let's talk about somebody else we hate. <laughs> Who are we going to go? The white guy we hate or the black guy we hate? Kyrie. We <sighs> hate him.
2: Oh, God.
1: Listen, as Nick fans, we could not be happier. Keep it coming. I'm just Keep sitting it back watching. Nets. Like,
2: what else can y'all put? Po- oh, anti-Semitism. That's the. Oh, you want to hire this coach? They're getting pushback on that now. That's starting. That's starting to be a little bit of a controversial idea, maybe you think? to them. You think? Since you it think? was to everyone else, it's like yeah, hi, fine. hi. Yeah. I know who we need right now. You know who can save us.
1: <laughs> the disgrace suspended coach from the Boston Celtics. Like what? Wait, Drugs Can we find? Can we find, a, can we find a coach who's exposed himself to his employees? When I mean,
2: it's like
1: what what's the Isaiah fuck? Thomas doing? <laughs> Where is Isaiah Thomas
2: on TV? He's on oh, TV. is he on TV? Yes. Okay, yes, he's on TV a lot. You know, it took me forever
1: to figure out that the Isaiah Thomas who plays ball now was is not the his same. Son. Yeah, it, was, it was not mm-hmm. his son. I knew oh, it wasn't the same guy. Aware. I'm not that much of a no. Bond, his son is
2: a DJ. Isaiah, Thomas. his son is a DJ.
1: Okay, but yeah. I didn't. I was like, mm-hmm. oh wow, Isaiah Thomas has a kid who looks nothing like him, but is a really good ball player. Yeah, so Kyrie. It's just, at this point, it's just so ridiculous, and the constant refusal to admit when you've done something wrong, and apologize it, and stop blaming everybody, and it's just like, oh my God, the Black Israelite, Ho Tepi, stop, it's just stop writing.
2: I don't care what you think, that it's, you can feel whatever you want, this is America, feel whatever you want. Why is it that you just seem to do everything but the thing that you're paid to do, which is Play basketball. Like, feel whatever you want. But there's always something. No right, matter well, what team, there's always something.
1: Well, maybe people no, always
2: maybe, find
1: maybe something he, to become
2: a distraction for his team.
1: Well, they'll they'll find out that maybe it's not worth it. Uh Nike dropped him. So that's yeah. you know, they're you know, you, you take... Not a good idea to attack Jews in a city where the biggest we We like basketball, Kyrie. We mm. enjoy the basketball, the Jews. I don't know why we like it so much, but we enjoy the basketball. Right, well,
2: let's bring in our guest. Let's, let's bring I in wanna, our guest. Yeah, I don't want to talk about him anymore. It's we don't want to talk case.
1: about... So, um, I, we, I'm going to do this thing that I always do where I hold up a book, even though nobody can see it. So I'm going to hold up the book as if we are on television. So, okay. So I am holding my book. This is a big ass book, Jonathan.
0: This is <laughs> it a is. Big- it is not for the fan of heart. How you no, doing, more the, it, it is hey, like, hey, it is like on? something, so let me,
1: let me hype it. And then we'll, so it is called the come out and the come up, an oral history of the rise of hip hop. And by Jonathan Abrams, who is our guest. And this is a big, this is, wait a minute. You have to know how to read. This is 500 something pages. You go. This is like some Jonathan Let's Frazen, Jonathan Frazen level <laughs> type of shit here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no lie, guys. Like hip hop is such a big and expansive topic. And obviously not one book can cover it. But the first draft that I had turned into my editor was like three times as big as the final <laughs> book. <laughs> and that, that editor was like, hell not. I had to actually hire a freelance editor to help me like pare it down to something that was a little bit more manageable because hip-hop is a wildly expansive subject.
1: I know. And, and now I have two questions. Was this brought out to tie into the unofficial 50th anniversary of, of, of hip-hop next year? Is there any connection-ish?
0: Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do it is because I knew that we were coming up on the 50 years.
1: And the other thing is, as a writer myself, I'm like, how did you get all these people to talk? And who did your transcriptions for you? Because this must have been exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So,
0: I mean, we we all know that rappers and hip-hop artists don't really work nine-to-fives, right? Mm -hmm. And, And you sit there and... I sent out requests upon requests, and I can only imagine the the thoughts that went through their head, you know, talk to them free for a book that's going to come out in three or four years for free for an hour. So you, you can imagine the success rate that that had. But right. I figured that with my journalism background, I'd be able to get to a lot of people, and I'm really happy with the amount of people who I was able to talk to for this. And then, yeah, I had a transcript service. I was like... <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, a that, is, or
1: whatever. that is like so. Like, that was like my first thought. I'm like, going, holy shit, did he have no? To that's what she said to me this? when she got the
2: book. She was like, how did he transcribe <laughs> this book? It's a <laughs> lot of book.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, I'm a terrible, t- I'm a very slow typer, so that was always my thing. I'd be like, dot, 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 when I was doing interviews, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I don't need to hear everything. All right, so and- who. Who was your first person you approached on this? Who was the first person you went to? The
0: first interview I got, if memory holds correct, was Killer Mike. Okay. Yeah, he was the first person I talked to. And, you know, I'm a Run the Jewels fan, so it was pretty cool being able to talk to him, first of all.
1: Was he the first because he's the first you approached? Or just like you threw out and he just came first?
0: I want to say that I had some type of friend of a friend who knew him pretty well and... Killer Mike immediately said, "Oh, that sounds dope." Now, other other ones, other people, it would be like months and months of going back and forth and corresponding, and I get a time. That time would fall through. Um, like one person,
1: he names. sent me a names, <laughs> names, names, names. I, I think <laughs> I, I'm trying to even
0: remember his name. Um, <laughs> it was it was somebody who was like Ti's right hand man, and he answered a DM maybe like. Two and a half years after I had asked him to be interviewed for this, saying that he was free now, and I was like, mm-hmm. "I said, like, man, time is time is past, man. I didn't send this thing yesterday."
1: I know <laughs> the, the concept of time space continuum with rappers is a. They will do papers on that one day about how we used to back when I was writing more frequently. The joke was, tell them the interview is the day after, so that they show up on time. <laughs> See, I
0: wish I would have known that trick. Yeah, you
1: just say it's the (laughs) next day. The interview's on Thursday, and then when they're there on Wednesday, oh, hey, we're perfect. We have great time. This
0: this 500-page book is coming out next week.
1: (laughs) I know. Um, Well, I want to also ask you, was there anyone that you wanted um, that you could not get?
0: Yeah, just as a hip-hop fan, like I went into this knowing that I wasn't going to get 5 hours with Jay-Z or Nas or that that whole Mount Rushmore group. Like a lot of a lot of hip-hop stars they really control their stories, right? And they they have a right to. So Nas, you know, he did a documentary about Illmatic already or Jay-Z has written a book or Rakim has written an autobiography. And that was fine with me. I was I was proud to talk to people about the impact that those type of people had on their careers, as well as talk to a lot of figures who people may not know who definitely had a large influence over hip hop. So people like Ann Carly or Monica Lynch or Duke Booty, or just a lot of people whose voices I was happy to include.
2: Aren't you also a sports writer? I am Courtney, I am <laughs> So so tell me how, how did your, because your your interests are very very very. The first book is an MBA an book but not the typical MBA book. It really focuses on the the prep school to the MBA years when kids were doing that. And then you went to the wire and then hip hop. So it's very interesting that it's so varied. Do you kind of feel a push and pull to go back in between
0: music and sports? No, this is like my one big ode to music. <laughs> and No, I'll, I'll leave that to uh, to the professionals. Mm-hmm. I just I've always had a, a interest in hip hop ever since I was young. I feel like it's been a constant companion and a constant ally. I grew up on the West Coast in in the mid nineties, the uh, West Coast Gangster Rap, and you know Tupac was my goat. And growing up in that, it just always had that impact on me. And as far as like the books and the topics are concerned, I think that whenever you're sitting down to write a book you need to have be passionate about that topic right because it's going to be something that's going to stay with you for 3 4 years and you're going to want to quit million of times millions of times and you're going to have to have that passion to carry you through so that's why i think these book subjects have been diverse because they're all subjects that i've been pretty passionate about nice.
2: What'd you learn about The Wire working on that book? I have friends that worked on that show. Oh, really? They still, they love, you know, everybody who's worked on The Wire production, still, a lot of them still talk to each other and it's like a family and they really love, they hold it in such a a high regard in a time in their
1: lives. Yeah, there's a mural to Michael K. Williams in my neighborhood. He was not from my neighborhood, but from Brooklyn, obviously. So, you know, yeah, The Wire, Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I definitely took from it is how all these years later is definitely still a fam- family aspect through all of them. And that book, it, it, if writing a book was easy, it was that one, because like the first thing I did was I asked David Simon about it and I sent him like this like long email about what the show meant to me and why I wanted to do this book. And his he had like a three-word reply saying like yeah whatever. It was probably like the the best thing I've ever written. His his reply was like yeah whatever. So, but once I knew he wasn't going to stand in my way, I was Mm -hmm. like, I was like oh man, I got the go ahead. And then the Mm -hmm. other crucial thing was that Alexa Fogle, who is a casting director for that show, and this just amazing, amazing woman. She's done Ozark and Atlanta and a bunch of really, really good shows. She saw a lot of belief in the project and so she was getting me people left and right because people respond to alexa's (laughs) alexa's inquiries because alexa can get you a job on a show so when it was time to get idris or when it was time to get dominic west alexa was was down for it so and then the last thing that really stuck out about that book is that ed burns is a co-creator of the wire right but he's not as well known as david simon but i remember i went to his home And he was still living in Baltimore at the time. And it was just like I was talking to one of the smartest, wisest people who have ever sat down and spoke to where he was he was like really curmudgeonly guy. But he had all the answers to everything. And you could just just see it. It wasn't even an interview. It was just absorbing information, I felt like. He
1: did homicide, too, right? That was him. Homicide life on the street at Burns. Isn't he an ex-cop or something like that? Yeah, he's an ex-cop. And he's also...
0: An ex middle school teacher, so same yeah, thing. a lot of the wire I've
1: done based. both, yeah, same thing. <laughs> Very similar. I just want to answer one more question about the wire in the world. But um, did you talk to Richard Price at all? Because he's like one of my favorite writers of all time. Did you I did, get I to did. talk with him? Is yeah, he wonder- I visited him is in he New great? York. Yeah, is he great. You're good. <laughs> it makes me happy. I love him. I think he's one of the best, um, bar none. One of the best American writers, uh, and never. You could always tell his episodes, you know, they were just so spot on. So, um, yeah, we could wax about The Wire, like, you know, not. I still have my
2: DVD box set of the entire series. Me too. Me too. (laughs) I've gotten rid of a lot of that
0: kind of
1: stuff, but
2: I I cannot get rid of The Wire box set. I know. Did did
0: you guys watch the show in real time, or was it something that. Yeah, in real time. I watched it in real time. Real time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, at that time, my son was a lot younger. And I had a TV in my room and a TV in the living room. And we would both watch it. And then we would, like, meet in the hallway. And when Bodie got killed, like, we used to call him Froggy. I don't know why. But when mm-hmm. Bodhi got killed, I heard him go, no! And I'm like, no! And we <laughs> met in the hallway. We went, Bodhi's dead! Bodhi's dead! And we <laughs> separated. And, and the only time I've ever seen him super amped about a celebrity was um, – I know he has a real name, but I can't think of what it was. Uh, Lieutenant Daniels was subletting an apartment in my building. And, and Lucian was like, yo, mom, Lieutenant Daniels lives here. And I'm like, I think he has an actual name. but It's not <laughs> Lieutenant Daniels, but I know what you mean. It's yeah,
2: Louis Riddick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, that was appointment. First of all, that was appointment television for me on Sunday nights when the yeah. wire came on. But I also watched The Corner before that. So, yeah. you know, I was into that sort of gritty style of... Of, of Baltimore you showed to HBO that was when HBO really was, it Walmart. was more it was a <laughs> grittier channel and yeah the wire was just great and those seasons man the way they did them
1: oh, I it.
2: mean the season when they went back to from the perspective of the kids to me Oh
1: well, that's the best. Top season 4 notch No television
2: No top and notch. I've worked
1: in schools I mean you talk <laughs> to any teacher that that season deserved like every award unto itself because it was just that was what it was to teach in a city school that was perfect you know i mean to me
0: that's the single most amazing season of television yeah. ever made bar none yeah was it was
2: really it was no. written well it was acted really i'm bringing
1: well. up all the dialogue now oh god i'm getting like all all right <laughs> let's, let's all right, a couple things that I've read. I'm going to keep holding this up as if you can see it. I feel like somebody on The Price is Right. Just um, imagine a
0: thick-ass book that she's holding up. <laughs> I'm holding a really thick
1: book. Hey, with very few pictures, but those are expensive. I know that, to put pictures in. But they're color pictures. They're nice. Look at the pretty picture of Kendra. All right, so some of the press I've read about this, and some of the com, it's gotten fantastic reviews. But one of the comments is controversy is that you do – talk a lot to Russell Simmons in this, who is sort of, I guess he's coming out of his persona non grata phase, but he definitely was persona. He was definitely non grata for a while. That's for sure. Um, when did you talk to him and did you feel any sort of, I mean, cause obviously he's integral to the story of hip hop, but did you feel any kind of qualms about giving him this much attention or?
0: Of, of course. It was something that me and the publisher definitely wrestled with i wanted to be honest to the story of hip-hop and this is a story about the growth of hip-hop and if there there are no you know singular main characters but if there is one it's probably him and what he did for uh while he was leading death jam uh, and crossing over run dmc and and those groups and yeah it was something that we definitely wrestled with and we acknowledged the the allegations that have been made against him in the book and i mean i can't say whether it was the right call or not but i wanted to be true to the story
1: yeah i mean it's the unfortunate thing i mean whatever he did or did not do did um he's you can't tell the story of hip-hop or certainly you can't tell the story of hip-hop without def jam and you can't tell the story of def jam without him basically so you kind of have to, I would imagine, like, hold your nose and, and let them talk, you know?
0: Yeah. And the the one of the difficult things about hip hop is those type of uh, allegations come up with the, a lot of figures, right? It's, it's tough to kind of cycle through and say, should I put in this person but not this person and that person when you're trying to tell a, a story of growth and evolution that has a lot of people who have played a part in it?
1: Who
2: would... Um, I'm sorry, Courtney, you went... you know, No, I was going to say, listen, the truth is ugly sometimes. And and I've said it on the show a lot of times, a lot of, a lot of our heroes and people's heroes are flawed and very flawed people. But when you're telling a story, tell the truth. To me, just stick to the truth and the facts and tell the story.
1: Who was the... I always get asked this. I mean, I'm not... I haven't written... I'll hold up the book again. I haven't written a book... But I did used to interview a lot of rappers, and um, the question you was, know, who was your favorite person to interview? So, And it's an impossible question to answer, so I'll ask you that question. Who was your favorite person to And, and who was the biggest pain in the ass? Because I can tell you who the, the two biggest pain in my asses were. And who I wanna
2: surprised hear. you the most?
1: Yeah, that's a good two. So who was your right. favorite? Who surprised you? And who was the biggest pain in the ass?
0: <laughs> my favorite person who I talked to for this is probably Coolmodee. And he was a person who has just he was there at the beginning of hip hop. And then his career has stretched through different generations. And he has a very keen eye on what he's done for hip hop, hip hop's place in this country. Uh, He was vivid on boycotting. or He was one, one of the guys who didn't boycott the I think it was the 1989 Grammys when everybody else in hip hop did because they didn't show it live on television. So just talking to him and hearing his perspective on on hip hop, where it was, where it's been, where it's going, was really key for me. There been there were a couple of people who I interviewed for this who just they weren't into the interview for for whatever reasons. I couldn't get you know, just about anything usable out of them, which you know is there, right? Um, it happens. Yeah, so Scar, Scarface was one of those interviews oh, yeah. okay. where I couldn't get much out of. And it's, you know, I, a lot of these guys have talked about their lives and their careers so much that I can, I can understand. Yeah. And surprising wise, that's a good question. That's something that I haven't really given a lot of thought of just because whenever I sit down to do an interview, I do a lot of research. You're very so, well prepared. So yeah, like, I try, yeah. I try not to be surprised as much as possible, Right. Um. That said, Kanye wasn't somebody who I talked to for this, thank God. So, you oh, know, we're oh, interview like this. He's
1: the <laughs> biggest pain in the ass I've ever interviewed. Really? Kanye I, and Onyx are the two biggest pains in the ass I've ever interviewed in my life. Like, Fredro but, Star?
0: Oh. I talked to Fredro for The Wire book, and I don't remember him being bad.
1: He literally, okay. And then I'm just like, I don't know why people who record things for a living don't understand that they're talking into something that records something, right? So I did the interview, and this is when they were on their comeback. It wasn't even like when they were capital O Onyx, so they should have been. It was for Double XL, and he was shooting some ding-dong video in my neighborhood, and he sees me, and he starts hovering around me, and then he sees my son. And he goes, oh. Eminem, Eminem. I'm like, oh, that's original, you know, that's original (laughs) Call the white kid Eminem. That's you're a genius. No, he was very irritating. And Kanye, it's legendary at this point. His, um, yeah, his you don't his know religion. how many times
2: I've had friends who are journalists call me after their interview with the <laughs> latter of the two just yeah. to be like, Let me just tell you what just happened.
1: <laughs> I have to, I, I, I think that there needs so to be times. like, a, there needs to be a support group for people who have spoken to Kanye.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and this is Nobody back did. when he was
1: like making records that we wanted to listen no, this to. This is back <laughs> when he
2: was popping with hits that, everybody he yeah. loved you to. Universal.
1: 2003 Kanye. Okay. It's like, it, no, it was exhausting. I, you know, I will say one thing You're talking about the surprising and it is a great question. There are times when you're sort of like, wow, I didn't know. And we do this with musicians. I think a lot, it's our own fault. I didn't know this guy or this woman had this many layers to them. Like there was that much going on. And I think that that's something that, um, maybe the public tends to do that more with rappers because we do tend to stereotype like what they're talking about who they are by the persona and we forget like these are human beings they're moms or right. dads they're business people you know
0: yeah That's- i'm thinking about that question a little bit more dmc was another really good interview as far as knowing what he had done and really talking about his influences of the people who had influenced that group uh, the Cold Crush Brothers and uh, other other early groups who probably don't get as much love and recognition as they do. He was just full of names and and thoughts and reflections on them.
1: How many women did you get a chance to talk to in in for the the book? And did you make a concerted effort to to get as many women as possible in the book?
0: I did. I'm, I don't know what the final. Hallie was but I'll
1: count as we're talking I'll sit there and count (laughs) I I know it
0: (laughs) I I know that I tried to get it as many women as I could for some reason women they didn't respond to the interviews as much as I had hoped the the requests
1: hmm that's weird why do you think do you have any idea why that might be
0: I like like I said like a lot of people in hip-hop they they want to own their own stories and that's something that I can certainly understand uh, but I was, like I said, I was happy to be able to talk to people like Lady B and Monica Lynch and Carly. Uh,
1: Monica's the best. Monica, Tommy Boy always had the best. You, you're you much younger than Courtney and I. You're certainly much younger than me because Courtney's younger than me. But Tommy Boy always had the best merch. Oh my God. They always, right? They
2: really good merch. They, they really did the not be- Why that.
1: I got rid of half of that stuff, I don't know. But they had the best visual presentation of rap music at the time. They really did. Um, let me ask you, we, we've talked about this on the, um, what do you think about, um, full disclosure, I'm on the nominating committee, but what do you think about Eminem getting inducted on the first ballot this year for the Rockwell Hall of Fame?
0: It is, it is interesting. I don't... And <laughs> I had read his acceptance speech and all the people who he had named, and it seemed like he <laughs> named everybody in hip-hop. Um, I, I think it's cool that hip-hop is being diversified and that the the Rock and Roll Museum can recognize hip-hop artists and acts now. I think that's definitely cool. Uh, first Ballot, uh, that's... A l-
2: you're... you're-
0: <laughs> You know you're how are preaching I feel to the choir. Me. No, Listen, you're, yeah. I'm
2: never not going to say that he did not sell a lot of records and he had influence for people. I was never the biggest fan, but I understand. But for him to get there before a tribe and they were on the yeah. same ballot, I'm on like, the same ballot. I'm sorry, wait, what? Yeah, no, you're, you're <laughs> preaching to the
1: choir because there was a lot of, it's, it's always was like, he's very deserving, but he needs to wait a yeah. minute. He can wait a minute until Tribe or let's go down the list. But especially Tribe, you know. Eminem I mean, ain't going nowhere. He ain't going nowhere. Well, I mean, no. And I, we were saying this, though. I will give him that he is aware of the fact that people kind of still kind of go, really? First ballot? Um, there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm for it. But he deserves to be there, but not in front of Tribe. Tried no, definitely to not, yeah. did. You talk to, mm. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I. I know when I get kicked off the committee or quit, I will tell. I will. <laughs> I, I have
0: a. I have a question for you guys because um, mm-hmm. you guys had mentioned Blondie in your last episode, mm-hmm. and what was it like for you, Amy, when Rapture came out?
1: I like how you asked me because Courtney was in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney was, Courtney was listening to, like, uh, you know, Barney. But Amy, Amy was cashing her check. He was like,
2: <laughs> excuse me, old broad. I would just no. like to know hello. No.
1: Hello, what old, happened. Hello, old when... white woman. Let me get the old white woman present. Well, young man, I'll tell you. Debbie came to me and she goes, Amy, what do you think? And I'm like, <laughs> Debbie. It's a big risk. The rapture. <laughs> um, okay, first off, I should preface it by saying I don't remember most of the 80s. Because I was experimenting at the time with things that make you forget things. Um, oh, I thought it was great. I mean, I thought it was great. There was never... I mean, I was always a huge Blonde fan. I was always a huge Debbie Harry fan. And it was one of those things where it wasn't even to me... And I'd already heard hip-hop. It was in 1981 that song came out? 1980. It was 80. 80. Mm-hmm. So I'd already heard rap music. And in New York City, it wasn't a question. I mean, there was never any question in New York City whether I was
2: young, but New York she City deserved
1: it, to be there. I mean, it, it was not Blair, New York. At, yeah. That
2: song blared out of every radio. I wasn't right. in the clubs yet in 80. Yeah. We and danced never, at every party to it, every yeah. black party. Every, the rate, uh, literally it was on the radio twenty-four-seven. Right. It, it was never a question
1: yeah. yeah, it was never a question with black people whether it deserved to be a hit. It seemed to be mm-hmm. more of a question of like, you know, white people overthinking something because when they I think the blondie
2: go- fans, because it was so different from the type of music that they made. Was that sudden, before
1: heart of glass that song? Or after I wanna heart
2: of- say it is after because isn't heart of glass like 78, 79? Heart of glass is
1: parallel lines, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I just thought to me there was um because when they did the Great Day in Hip Hop Photo Shoot, um my claim to fame is that I said we should invite her. And she came up, and I will tell you that everyone wanted to meet Debbie Harry. You know, they wanted to meet Rakim, and they wanted to meet Debbie Harry, and that was that was it. And Christine wanted to meet Mob Deep. So they're they're well, the was interesting
2: a- thing, and, and I think you and I have talked about this. It's like, and I'm going to say to you, Jonathan, because you're younger than both of us. Um, (laughs) New York, especially back, like I started going out really young in New York in the 80s. And everybody, especially like downtown, they mixed together. It would be sort of like punk, rock, hip hop, everybody. The way the clubs were and the hangout spots, it was really the separation seems to have come later. So yeah. all of these people really intersected in the music scene, in the downtown scene, in the underground scene. It wasn't until much later that everything seemed to just separate all over. Like, Rapture was played all over black radio in New York. Yeah. BLS, Frankie
1: Crocker used to play the hell all over out of Rapture. black
2: radio, you know what I mean? So there, it, was, it was less separation in, and more sort of integrated musically and artist-wise. So... I just remember being young and that being a 40, I bought that 45 and just, it was everywhere. And that video would play. We used to have a show on New York that came on late night called New York Hot Tracks on channels, on ABC. And it was put. Oh my Carla God. Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> remember, that's yeah. where we first sort of saw Madonna on TV and all of these different things. And so it just kind of seemed, Rapture just felt like New York. It felt like New York at that moment. You and know. plus they
1: had done wild style at that point too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so they, it was never, you know how certain people, you feel like they're trying to be down, you mm-hmm. know, it never felt like that with, with, with Blondie.
0: Did you guys go to like clubs like Negril and, and Roxy?
2: Oh my God. I've been, I've been in Negril a million times. Roxy, the Roxy. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. there is a plaque at the front. With me looking over my shoulder. For, for the Roxy? <laughs> for the Ro- Oh my God. The what Roxy. were you 10 when the you were Roxy, Roxy, there? Roxy Ro- Well, which Roxy are we talking about? The
1: roller skating rink, Roxy. Yes, but the
2: Roxy. Yes, I started going to Roxy young, but the Roxy didn't close until years saying, I was going, please, the Roxy was the shit. I went to the, right, went to the Roxy all through the Victor Calderon tenure, through the Peter Rayhoffer tenure. No, no, no. We're talking
1: about different Roxy. We're talking no, about
2: the hip hop. Oh, oh no. it turned? No, remember. The oh. Roxy was roller skating. Right. And a gay club. And then it became 1018 for a minute. It closed for a minute and it opened back up under the name 1018. And that's when they were doing more hip hop. But roller skating was still during the week, like Wednesdays, I believe. And then it came back and it was the Roxy again and just back to just being a gay no, club. No,
1: because this was like, all right, so I was supposed to go to the Roxy, like, Several times, like 1981, 1982, mm-hmm. and then something would always happen, and I could never get it together. To the go tunnel there. was
2: really became more a hip hop. The tunnel, the tunnel like, on yeah. Sunday nights, because the tunnel used to be the tunnel was also when the first open up was more of like a gay club, really downtown, yeah, hip moment. And then Sunday nights, they started a hip hop party, which became a legendary yeah. mm-hmm. in New York, Sunday nights at the tunnel.
1: Jonathan, you were uh, meeting for the first time the only human being in New York City of a certain age who never went to the second danceteria. I only went to the first and yet I still walk mm-hmm. the earth and, and am allowed to be among people. Um, I can talk as though I went there because I knew everybody and I great.
2: I, I, love I never went. I went to the
1: first one. But no. I never went to the second one. You
2: also that, never that, went to Paradise Garage. I can't I believe did. you never went to the garage. No, okay, I rub it you in. You never went to the garage.
1: I worked in clubs. That was the thing. I worked in clubs, and so by the but time but the I people who worked it, in worked
2: clubs. But y'all always had nights because it was, okay. you know, there was Courtney, that. Courtney, we York have city.
1: company. Do I need to go into <laughs> what was going on in my life back then? <laughs> <laughs> we want Jonathan to be our friend. We don't want him to uh, <laughs> run back and say, and then that loser. Um, all better now. All really better. I don't remember. Except
2: you never went to the Paradise Garage. I know. You, You did go to Palladium, right?
1: I think so. I don't remember. You used
2: famously we did when I was at Columbia. We did that. I did. Fuji's, I Sorry, we're was,
1: totally it, like. Hijacking. It was the
2: Fuji's and Cypress Hill a concert together. I went at to Mud Club. Do I make
1: up for oh, that? See, I went I to Mud Club. I
2: never went to Mud Club. Mug Club is legendary. <laughs> okay,
1: this interview is mug over.
2: Club. But or Peppermint Lounge.
1: <laughs> I worked at the Peppermint Lounge.
2: This interview <laughs> is over. Right, J-
1: Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan, is there anything? <laughs>
2: We're so sorry. We're going to go down the list.
1: We're really tired. We're going to go down the list of every club that we haven't gone to, and then you can tell us what clubs we didn't go to in California, and then we'll be we'll be on the same page. We'll be like, I've oh, actually I didn't- been to clubs
2: in California. Are you Southern California or Northern California? Southern. Oh, I used to go to. Um, <laughs> I used to go to The Catch. The Catch was my spot in LA. I used to go to The Catch. And then I used to go to uh, the El Rey and we used to see Jana Jackson. Jana would be at the El Rey. Fun times.
0: Mm-hmm. Fun, fun, fun times. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, probably a little bit before. What, me. you okay?
2: Don't <laughs> you... All right, all right. Rub it in. This is in, what we not
1: rub... really do, is yeah, we're not going
2: to do. We're
1: not okay. going to remind it's us like, how old like, we wait, are. Wait,
2: did you see how you see? He it? was like, Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, because... my parents
1: used to go there. Or we're not going to remind you that right now, Courtney and I are like 45 minutes away from dinner. Okay. <laughs> 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 you know that, okay, Keith, your friend Keith, was my boss at BAM 30 four years ago
0: that is not possible because keith tells me that he's 27 he is
1: (laughs) his parents were pregnant with him and he bossed me from from the womb he yelled at me through the womb the last time i saw keith i think i was pregnant with my now almost 34 year old child so that's a something who were you now as a west coast person how long did it take you to realize that the east coast invented rap music and you guys were just having a moment (laughs) <laughs> i feel very attacked by that question <laughs> i'm sorry you're going to bring up our age every five seconds I'm jonathan because
0: you know? That, that, that moment lasted a ton of generation though <laughs>
1: i know but i'm going to ignore that part of the argument that makes actual factual sense and just go with the way i'm thinking about it right now no but seriously when did you like realize that we invented it, and it was we lent it to you for a while. I,
0: to have. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's ever been a, a doubt, right? That hip hop's roots are in New York. Uh, what I love about hip hop is that it those roots are planted, and then it sprouts elsewhere, and the tree grows and extends, and those branches, different people can interpret hip hop and make it their own. So you get the slow down music mm-hmm. in Houston, or the gangster rap and G funk in the West Coast, or uh, the Miami base uh, coming through in the South. Uh, it's all how different people interpret it. So I really, I mean, New York wears that crown. It's always going to have that crown, but it's really fascinating to me about how different branches and subgenres develop.
1: Well, we were, I mean, I'm sorry, but part of it is, I mean, honest with you. And I mean, I grew up, we all grew up loving funk. I think for New Yorkers, we don't drive. So it was sort of like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I had heard that kind of music because I used to live in San Francisco. So I was around lowrider, but we don't drive, you know, and we don't drink syrup. I'm not being sarcastic here. I mean, it was just the sort of thing. If that's your world, you know, then that's going to be what influences your world. So, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. We don't drink syrup,
2: girl. (laughs) Cough syrup. I know what syrup is. (laughs) That's a mess. Anyway, listen, what I love is... That you're giving representation to all the different genres. Yeah. Because there were people, I'm sure, in those regions being influenced and in making music. And, you know, it wasn't until a lot later on that you you, know, you had the L.A. explosion. I think people really think of sort of like the L.A. explosion and the Atlanta explosion. But you're giving light to all of the different regions that have artists who've done really well regionally. Do shows, do yeah. tours, put out records... And and it's great that you that you that you put it all in one place for people to be able to kind of go and and it's a good read and I feel like Amy is going to hold the book get... up again. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Just a real quick, real quick, mm-hmm. and then we'll take you out. Do you like the Knicks?
0: Do I like the Knicks? You know, I used to live in New York and cover the Knicks when I was writing for the New York Times, mm. and they were never. Never boring. They didn't win a lot of right. games, but they were never, never boring. And I feel like you that,
1: that Can we use that as the DNA. poll? Can we use that for the poll quote? Never boring.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the next. Um and who who you like these days in hip hop? I mean this is a great, as Courtney says, a great summary and overview and homage, but who are you kind of checking for these days?
0: Should I say Drake, just to troll you guys? <laughs> yeah, okay. We can, nah. You know, we,
1: we have a mute button, Jonathan.
0: <laughs> uh, um, Kendrick Lamar, he's probably my favorite right now.
1: Have you seen him perform?
0: Yeah, he was in Charlotte this summer. Okay. Charlotte is where I live.
1: Oh, I heard, okay. I heard that
2: tour was amazing. I heard the show was really, it was top-notch, stellar, stellar stuff
1: yeah it is he's, he's someone yeah i've always heard his live shows are fantastic i mean because he puts on a show you know what i mean like he's aware of the dynamics of performing you know he's very theatrical so so but Kendrick- as far as
0: yeah as far as you know a lot of guys who are making their their names today i'll be honest it's it's a little bit tough and not to sound like you know, I'm Keep it, way past my you. prime, but
1: <laughs> we're with you. <laughs> if it's
0: if it's a choice between me listening to a little Uzi Vert or going back and listening to you know, a Nas, Tupac, or Biggie, I'm taking it back a couple, couple. Decades.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's hard to get all the lils. I get all my lils confused, and it's a lot of sort of. I mean, bless their hearts. Some of it's great. It's not for us. You my know only I mean? problem
2: is, I'm like, why do you all want to sound alike? Like, they the ones alike. who really want to break out, if you, yes, you can make a lot of money right now. I, I'm going to say this, I've said it a million times about the music industry. You can have a song and make a whole bunch of money that you think will never end. It will end. Do you want to have a long career? Like, wh- I, when I hear all of these records and I kind of have to be like, well, who is this? Because this sounds like this one, who sounds like this one? If you don't stand out, it's like, it's going to be a short shelf life because. Yeah. That trend is becomes over. Like you're already starting to see it, right? I think where we always have cycles, especially in the U.S. at radio and pop, you notice where it'll be rap, 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 then that comes in, then it's going to be pop, 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 and then it's going to be rock band, rock band, rock band moment. And I and I can kind of see the the trickle effect of other genres starting to push up into that top ten and stay there and live there a little mm. longer. So like you need to stand out, like. Have something to say. Party records are great. You can make a whole bunch of party records. But ultimately, I want to hear a voice that I really, really... It's why I like Vince Staples. Vince Staples doesn't sound like... He sounds like Vince Staples.
1: Right. When I hear him... And we also like cohesive. We're big fans of cohesive cohesive records. That's why we love the Nas, the last two Nas. And I'm really excited about what King's Disease uh, 3 is going to sound like. Cohesive. Are you a drill fan at all?
0: No, not not um, really. See, I like me, it. Let, let let me ask you guys you, this because yeah, because I remember at the beginning of the episode, you guys were talking about Drake's house album and how that lasted for like a minute and a half, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that got me into thinking what what can artists do today to make music that actually lasts, that doesn't have that short time span of like
1: a well, there's no marketing so anymore.
2: There's no. You think about the ones who last are the ones who are out there. They have a real marketing plan, right? It's so different now that everything just gets thrown up on all of these streaming platforms because now it lives there forever. As before, when when everything was sales-based, like I was a product manager. It's like you had to put together a marketing plan that had phases. There's going to be phase one, phase two, phase three. You know, pull everything together and create a whole world and you go out there and promote and you try to execute it to the best of your ability. I don't think people have marketing plans the same way anymore, I think a lot of artists come with creative directors, right? So now it's about, I have this creative director who's helping me with my photo shoots and my videos, and this is how I'm presenting, and this is how I'm helping, here's how I'm presenting on TikTok. But that's not really a marketing plan to keep the music going. It's almost like they're hoping to have a viral moment on TikTok, and then your song can become a hit.
1: Well, the As music a, is almost you know. secondary. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, part of it, is, especially with, I mean, again, we're not the demo, but we still listen to music, is is that it's the expediency of everything right now. People don't care if you have a career. It's like Courtney was saying. They care if you have a moment where everybody's going for a, a moment. Uh, uh, they want to go viral. They don't care if they have a legacy or, you know, that's why... Thank God you still have artists like Nas putting out records in terms of hip-hop because his records are great. Are they going to have a TikTok moment? No. But you know what I mean? I don't think these a lot of these artists today are interested in being substantive because it's a generation that's not interested. In I being, also see a shift, right? I mean,
2: and, and I don't know if you guys see this, I see a shift in a changing of the guard of who were the big artists, the grand ones who came and automatically were the superstars. There are some that were that went into the, <clears throat> from the 90s, early 2000s, who are still big names today, but they don't resonate with those younger fans the same way. And we're seeing new sets of younger people coming in who are resonating in that way. So it's, it's hit or miss, right? You look at a Taylor Swift, who's doing great. Second week at number one around the world. She's had a full marketing plan for this album when it was coming with the lyrics, billboards around, the TikToks dropping hints, announces a tour. And that, you know, she's, she's got hit records and they keep coming. And also hit records. I know everybody tries to act like it doesn't matter if you have a hit. Hit records still count. They do. You have a hit record... These days, with everything being so streaming-based, it absolutely does help keep your record going. You know, there's so many people we all love and some artists we all love, and you see them out there, and it's like a struggle to get attention, right? But they don't have a hit. I feel the same way about Normani. I look at Normani thinking, why don't you have a hit? Like, people have wanted you to have a hit ever since you've left Fifth Harmony. And it's like... You can have some okay songs, but you need that hit to establish yourself as a solo artist, and that helps keeping everything going. Because otherwise, not if you have something that's just okay, people will listen to it, and they go on. You're walking around with a full computer in your pocket. You can you're, you're being suggested there's a list that you get with suggestions and you move on and you don't go back because there's nothing to pull you back it's like it's like some videos now right if you don't give people even even the videos that come off in a pretty spectacular it's not like before where we sat in front of mtv and bet and vh1 or the box and watched them over and over again you're going to watch it on your phone how many times you go back to it
1: Well, also to get to your point, I mean, which is why our our hatred of Drake aside, you have to, it is, he's one of the few who has managed to sustain a career. In rap years, he's 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 a catalog artist at this point because he still manages to make himself relevant, whether it's for good or for bad. Teenage kids, I used to teach high school, they love him. Still, even though he's like, how old is Drake now? In firmly like, in his forties, right? No, no, firmly. no, he's
2: in his thirties. He's not in his forties. Drake? Yeah, I don't think he's in his
1: forties. Like mm-hmm. real thirties or Canadian thirties?
2: Yeah, no, no, real thirties. No, but <laughs> he's that, probably what, like 35? Yeah. Is real, he but,
1: that young? Seriously. yes
2: He is. But see, but Ugh. that's the thing. That's the changing of the guard that we witness. And it may not be our music where we're like, oh, I don't get it, but for our ears.
1: No, it's fine. But I do like the beats of drill, and I like grime. Courtney and I are big grime fans too. Uh, we don't know what they're talking about, but that doesn't matter. He just, just turned like thirty-six. Mm-hmm. Wow, he's not aging well.
2: Oops. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there, I said. Well, he's not.
2: I think I, there's some women who would disagree with you who think it looks that like he, he
1: has fetal alcohol syndrome. Okay, I don't find you him know. Right? Sorry. <laughs>
2: And on that note, thank you so much, Jonathan, for coming by this Sorry. shit show. I of don't fuckery. like him. Do you get that? I don't
1: like him, Jonathan.
0: You guys, thank you so much. This was great. I appreciate oh. it. And Courtney.
1: All right, yeah.
2: jo- Jonathan, tell us, I'll tell everybody the title of all three of your books right now. And Nick can order them right now. We
0: have uh, Boys Among Men. We have All the Pieces Matter, Oral History of the Wire. And we have the latest to come up in oral history on the rise of hip hop.
1: Holding Boom. It up again. I'm holding. There it up.
0: you go, kids. And
1: you <laughs> and, know and what it give is. Give us the links. Yeah, to, yeah, we'll post all the yeah, links
0: to
2: your books. Yeah, we'll and post stuff all, like all the links to your books and put them out. Thank you, everybody. You know what it is. It's going to let you finish. It's show number one eighteen. We're on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Tell a friend. Yell at a friend. Leave a rating. Leave a star. Do all of the things you do, and we'll see you next week.
1: Tons. Bye. <laughs> go vote.